from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is the Thai Cats This Week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. The Tiger Cats are coming off a win. They sit at 5-7 and seven and third place in the East Division. Welcome to Tiger Cats this week. I'm R.J. Broadhead. He is Luke Tasker. So two-thirds through the season, Luke, and the, the record's 5-7. and seven. I know Tiger Cats would like it to be above 500, but when you compare it to last year, they were 3-9 and nine at this point. So 5-7, and seven, one win back of Montreal at this point. What's your assessment on the first two-thirds? Well, it's getting more exciting to watch this team as the season goes on. Um, uh, they look very uh, different in a lot of ways. The game in Ottawa uh, was encouraging. You know, I, I you see some resilience that early in this season, you know, the Ticats were made one of those teams where the perfect storm, it seemed like, had to happen for the win to get the win. Uh, you know, a little bit of adversity here or there, and it was really hard to overcome that. Now you see a team that's kind of battling through uh, some wins, and in Ottawa and NBC were uh, resounding victories. So uh, more and more excitement building. It's getting more fun to watch, and I, I think Ticat fans should be hopeful right now at this point in the season. Still certainly a chance at the playoffs and a team that's getting better. Do you feel the Tiger Cats have to beat a team like Winnipeg for for fans to really believe I I have heard some fans say well three of their five wins have been against Ottawa beat Edmonton when they hadn't won that game against BC was terrific but they have to find a way to to beat a team like Winnipeg on Saturday don't they yeah it's just that BC you know I don't want to write that off either that was out in Vancouver and they are a very good team the Lions are I mean but uh Winnipeg and uh you know especially you know this sort of franchise and Winnipeg's history and its you know relation and you know recent history with the Tie Cats, including two Grey Cups. It's uh, it is sort of an emotional one, and it would be a really really uh, uh, it would be sort of a season changing win again uh, to win against Winnipeg. But we kind of I kind of said that again about BC uh, and the win in Ottawa. Those were both sort of season defining, and and those feel great. And so. You know, I just, it's hard. You can't hang your hat on, on one game. If they uh, if they take a loss and then bounce back, they, they're still going to find themselves in the mix. But there's no doubt what uh, how positive a win a win at home would be. And too often we've seen the Ticats struggle at home. You know, it just hasn't, uh, it hasn't gone, it hasn't, they haven't come easily at Tim Horton's field for, for uh, whatever, whatever reason. But uh, uh, a win against, against, a very good Winnipeg team, and now you look very different uh, as you chase down uh, uh, Montreal and Toronto. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been a, a lot of Tiger Cats first down brought to you by Active Green and Ross. The Tiger Cats keep it rolling. It's been said a lot lately. <laughs> by you. <laughs> yes. But three straight games, Tiger Cats have had 20 or more first downs. What's interesting about that is in their first nine games, they only had two games where they had 20 first downs or more. So they're really starting to string some some drives together. They're putting up points, I think, in their last three games, 42 points and five touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Mm. Uh, they're averaging over 27 points a game in their last three games. If you do that, you'll win a lot of football games. So uh, what are you liking from this offense lately? Well, I think the easy place to start is Taylor Powell. I mean, you it was just heartbreak after heartbreak the first half of this season watching uh, different quarterbacks get hurt repeatedly uh Bo Levi Mitchell coming back into the lineup getting hurt uh Matt Schiltz 
in and out, taking a really bad, what looked like a really bad injury uh, in Edmonton uh, that, that lands on a very young Taylor Powell taking over. And now you've mentioned the uh, one of the metrics that, that 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 is for offensive production first downs that started to look really different now uh, as as Taylor Powell has gotten comfortable and and that offense has started to continue to take shape and you have of course Scott Mavich taking over and so again mid season you have sort of this interruption of of now you've got sort of you know uh, redefining an offense that was uh, uh, that you had been working on and. You know, now they're kind of finding some legs here, and Taylor Powell. I just, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm very excited to watch more of of him uh, this season. And of course, uh, you know, we'll see how how long he's going to be uh, behind center if if you've got two uh, big CFL names healing as fast as they can. Uh, but uh, yeah. But Taylor Powell, uh, uh, his ability to protect the football for the most part, and now uh, coming off of this win in Ottawa, his ability to put it in the end zone, um, very promising couple of interesting things. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, the only game he's finished as uh, Tiger Cat was game one against Winnipeg. The other two games he got hurt. Matt Schultz now has been elevated to QB2, so he is the backup behind Taylor Powell, which is an indication. We saw it last game when Powell got hurt and had to miss a play. Kai Loxley came in, but I know I was wondering will they go with Schultz but he was QB3 so now he's been elevated so so he'll be the guy so he has to be close and it, it is interesting and it's a good problem to have Taylor Powell seems to be getting better every week coming off a career high 326 yards passing another three touchdowns in the game back-to-back games with three touchdowns and no turnovers there's no secret when you don't turn the ball over, you have a good chance of winning. It's happened twice in the last three games. Tiger Cats have won both of those games. I remember talking to Scott Milanovic when he got here, Luke, and that was the first thing he said. We turn the ball over too much. We have to limit that. And that message has gotten through. It's it's not a secret. You don't turn the ball over, you're going to win a football game. Uh, yeah, and it seems like a message that Taylor Powell internalized uh, right away in his career, and smartly. Uh, so I, th- I think it's a problem that so many quarterbacks have to overcome, and then they can start getting better at uh, their reads and quicker de- at making decisions and stuff. But the first thing they have to do is just hold on to the football. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, I, I just I just love watching a quarterback who who is very intent and serious about uh, about ball security and. Scott Malich wasn't kidding. That was that was one of the first things that you noticed is uh, it was it was uh, limiting turnovers and slowly slowly progressing in the right direction of the turnover ratio throughout a season. Uh, and then we started to see uh, their their pass game sort of blossom and, and develop, and some of some of these receivers start getting involved with Taylor Powell. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty hopeful uh, as to to see more of that. We did see. Too many sacks early on. Uh, early on in Taylor Powell uh, is what I mean, and uh, will that that's that's been on the on the right pathway as well. Uh, and that combination of an offensive line working with a quarterback to, uh, to to take advantage of all the time you have. Part of the part of the problem with uh, with you know in the passing game is a quarterback has to feel comfortable for as long as he can feel comfortable. But everyone's going to at some point tuck and, and r- try to find a way to escape if they can. 
some of the best quarterbacks can stand in there until it, there's almost no room around them, but in a sense, they're still protected, right? It's a sort of a trust in a uh, sort of a living, breathing system in, in the quarterback pocket is. And so, uh, yeah, I'll be uh, interested to see if that, if that trend can continue on the right path, which it, which it has been uh, for, for uh, since some of those early games with, you know, there was a time where we saw seven sacks uh, on Taylor Powell. Yes, yes, he, he has limited that, and he's developed some real chemistry with Tim Whitehot. <laughs> I've changed his name to Tim Whitehot. Because Perfect timing, is, too. Finally. He, he's scorching out there, 180 yes. yards receiving, four touchdowns in his last three games. We talked about Taylor Powell in that long pass. He had two long passes to explosive plays to, to Tim White. Um, are you seeing anything different from from Tim White? He had that little lull a few games ago, but he's absolutely white hot right now. Yes. Uh, yeah, really impressive uh, two games in a row here. He actually had a great performance at the Labor Day Classic, which, as of course, was a heartbreaking loss for the Ticats. But uh, yeah, if I want, if I had to point out a, th- the, a thing about his game, a technique kind of thing about his game, I've been really impressed with with his catches in traffic. He, he's he's been making some catches when he is being disrupted, uh, when he's running in between defenders, uh, you know, big hit risk type of catches. We've seen him come down with the football uh, very well. Uh, he's always tracked down the long ball pretty good, uh, and we're seeing that on on those attempts. Um, but, you know, it's a progression of a guy who's a speedster, a track runner, uh, into a route runner, and, and we're, just seeing, we're just seeing him really develop into a, a very, very good receiver. How about the Tiger Cats offense? In the red zone in the last two games, they've gone six for seven. They're starting to produce in in the score zone. Yeah, uh, totally different than what we were seeing early this year. Um, Limited attempts in the score zone early on, but then even when they got down there, I mean, how many times did we see in the first half of the season a penalty right when they entered, you know, that 20, 15 yard line area. So you got a first and 10 and you are pressing and, and, and all of a sudden now you're dealing with a first and 20 on the 25 or a first and uh, uh, 15 on the 20. Eh, really f- disheartening and frustrating. And we saw it countless times. Uh, at times we've seen turnovers in the score zone and uh, yeah, the execution is there. Part of that also is the increase of James Butler uh, and, and the balance between the run and the pass that the Ticats have, have struck here and, uh, 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 they've they've just been they've just been able to be uh, more efficient, more productive, and and it seems like there's some confidence when they get down there, as opposed to some uh, hesitancy. You know, you mentioned James Butler. It's kind of a comforting feeling. He didn't have his best statistical game against Ottawa, but the Tiger Cats still won, and and he's such a good player. You you know he's going to put up numbers down the road. So I kind of get a comforting feeling that the Tiger Cats can win. When he doesn't have his best game, so when he does have his best game, they're gonna win. <clears throat> it feels like if that everything way, comes doesn't together, it? yeah, yeah, and and um, you know, BC, he he was just ex- it was so explosive and such a difference maker, um, and I and I still would say RJ that part of my part of my part of the struggle early in the season was you either had a good run game or a good pass game in a given football game. And, and like, and it wasn't like a little bit of both or, you know, uh, some, some good, it was like the whole team total rushing yards were 30 
but you pass pretty well or the inverse, you know, James Butler had over a hundred, but you know, you couldn't put the ball in the end zone and all that. So I think we're seeing a more, a little more of the, of a back and forth and some complimentary running and passing. Um, uh, but I hope that you see that increase as well, where, uh, truly, truly you have the ability to get the first down, uh, both on the ground, uh, and in the passing game, uh, you know, uh, Toronto and Winnipeg are two teams, great examples of that, where they really have the have th- weapons and the ability to, to move the chains, I- I- both running and passing. Um, and briefly, I, 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 we touched about the score zone for the Ticats, uh, and, and that, that's getting better. Six out of seven, I think you said. I mean, that's, yep. a, re- that's, a, that's a really good, impressive stat. That's a great conversion uh, percentage as you get into the score zone. The inverse of that, defensively, we've seen some unbelievable stops in the score zone, including, I mean... A legendary uh, stop yeah. that started with the Stavros Katzentonis tackle, uh, followed by three short down stops uh, in in Ottawa. So I think he's, you've got a team that's uh, that's uh, showing its teeth and, and is uh, resilient right now. Yeah, four takeaways in that game for the Tiger Cats defense. Stavros Katzentonis had an interception, a fumble recovery. Uh, Ted Laurent or Casey Sales, they were both hugging the football on the Simone Lawrence quarterback sack where he stripped the ball from Crum. That kind of sealed it, and of course, that goal line stand was was unbelievable. They've been they've been really good with those those uh, short yardage plays. Go, even going back to the BC game on the opening drive of the game, yeah. BC goes for it, and third down they get a stop, and you just felt the whole momentum change. Yeah, absolutely. And they they had another one later in the game, a longer uh, attempt that the Ticat defense shut down as well. Um, I don't know. I, I I just can't help but think of Simone Lawrence. You know, I, you just see him all over the field, and you can sense his energy even from our booth there broadcasting. RJ and uh, and and you know it's it's not just Simone, of course, but but that energy and uh, the the players around him, uh, they really they've they've got a good a good uh, a good thing going. Yeah, you follow the leader, and and he's he's definitely the leader and leading by example. I know we asked him and. You know, you're putting up some big numbers lately. He says, it's just time. It's that time of the season. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, matter of fact, like, it's going to happen. I'm Simone Lawrence. I make plays. <laughs> and he's and doing he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Winnipeg, let's let's dig into this a little bit. Uh, I mean, they're coming off a, a massive win against Saskatchewan. And it tells me what kind of team they are. A couple of their losses. They lost to BC in week three. The next time they played BC, they beat them 50 to 14. They lost to Saskatchewan on Labor Day. Then last week they beat them fifty to six. They scored a touchdown on every possession in the first half. Like they they avenge those losses. Uh, Tiger Cats lost to Winnipeg in in week one. This is a a very important game. You've played against the majority of this Winnipeg defense, so you you know them them pretty well. I mean. It's a great football team again. They haven't changed a lot over the first few years, and we kind of saw that in game one. Like They were clicking, the chemistry was there, and the the Tiger Cats were just trying to get used to each other, it seemed. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, you did see... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a result of a culture that you see when you, when you watch that, the, the sort of the vengeance, uh, um, uh, coming back after a loss. And, uh, you know, you could tell that that week three loss to BC, Winnipeg just wasn't right. Like they weren't, that wasn't, didn't feel right with them. Didn't sit right. They thought they were a better team. And it turns out that they, they were, uh, in the end. And, and yeah, they do. They have a, they have a culture that, um, uh, that, that is, uh, a winning one, um, you know, it's funny. It just, it just, it makes you think back. Uh, you know, this, this has been 
building this version of Winnipeg football in 2019. Uh, beating us, beating us in the Grey Cup there, and then really hitting the scene and having a great season the following year, consecutive Grey Cups, and it was dominant uh, last year. And then they lost to Toronto. And you think like this is an interesting storyline. Uh, these these Blue Bombers and and the, the wins that they've got, and the and then the Grey Cup that slipped away from them. Uh, and it just is sort of a CFL reminder about what could still come in this season. You know, it just is. It's been a Winnipeg, Toronto, and BC CFL this year. I mean, those, those teams have been at the top since the start and are playing very, very good football. And oftentimes that's just not the way that it, that, that, that it ends up falling in the end, at the end of November. And so, uh, you know, the Ticats are, are, all you can say is that they are on the right trajectory towards what it takes to be a, a Grey Cup team. Yeah, Winnipeg, no weaknesses, Luke. The net offense, they're number one. They've allowed the fewest net offense against in the CFL. Tiger Cats are seventh and eighth in those categories. And you're, they dug themselves a hole statistically at the start sure. of the season. And it seems yes. like they're, they're starting to, to correct that a bit. But Winnipeg's already clinched a playoff spot. Is, is that maybe a good thing for the Tiger Cats going into this game? Yeah, I'd say so. I, uh, you know, sometimes that can give you some energy, meaning from the Winnipeg side. That sometimes you you get a little boost on that. You know, you just you might you can play free, knowing that it's sort of locked in there. But at the same time, you could imagine a road trip. Uh, you know, locked in the playoffs and a, and a road trip, still a lot of time until those playoff games that matter. And uh, maybe you maybe you catch a few guys slightly off guard or, or maybe not totally in the zone, as we say. Uh, and so you never know. And the, the Ticats have every reason and, and are and are hungry to uh, to continue uh, fighting. So. Uh, hard, hard to say. Very subjective there, and goes player by player and team by team. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, I would say it's it's uh, probably not a bad thing. Yeah, desperation is something the Tiger Cats still have, trying to get into the playoffs, and we know that's going to be a fight right to the end. And Winnipeg maybe doesn't have as much desperation. Tiger Cats are coming off that win against Ottawa, Luke, where they had three days rest. Are you worried they've had too much rest this week? <laughs> <laughs> apparently they do best uh on on a half week um boy i would think they had a they took a real deep breath and were able to take an extra ice bath and an extra day off uh probably not a grinding week of practice this week as they're sort of still coming out of that but uh uh no more more film they can watch and, and more you can do uh, uh the better so well timed i think to enter a winnipeg game at home some interesting things to talk about with the Tiger Cats depth chart. Richard Leonard, we saw him get injured in the last game. He's on the one-game injured list, so Dexter Lawson Jr. comes in. Fraser Sopic is back. He had a fumble recovery in that first game against Winnipeg, so he'll be a nice addition. Dylan Wynn got hurt again, so that is unfortunate. He is out, but Jagera Davis is going to be back in the lineup. So he was... Traded, came back, didn't hear much of him, and now he's back. So, I don't know. You played with Jagarit. He might be a little motivated here to to make an impression back in the lineup. Yes, I did. Uh, uh, JG is you just you just never know. He he may he may get a pair of sacks this game. <laughs> Depends how much that defensive line is going to rotate. But he's back out there, and on game day, uh, uh, Jagarit turns it on, and we'll see uh, we'll see what it's like and. Uh, well, first of all, we'll see how much time he gets out there. I mean, it has been a very uh, sort of rocky uh, season uh, for Jagarit so far with, like you mentioned, the the almost trade. And um, 
And that that kind of stuff can be tough on a player too. Just just you know, I don't know, call it lifestyle uh, you know changes or you know off the field I guess stuff that 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 weighs on you. But it's sort of like all things are right now. You know, he's he's on the field and has a chance to make a difference in the game, and I've seen him do it many times. Yeah, yeah, all Tiger Cats fans have, and if he can get after the quarterback, that is fantastic. We'll wait and see how much he plays on Saturday. Offensive line is interesting, too, for the Tiger Cats. In the initial depth chart, Brandon Revenberg is at left tackle. Jacob Zod is at left guard. And then the fullback category has Sean Thomas Erlington, Felix Garangochie, Bailey Feltmate, and then offensive lineman Dayton Black and Joel Figueroa. Um, what do you make of, of that configuration? Well, I think it's a little bit of uh, CFLery, you know, like just like <laughs> just like I don't know what's going on here. They, they've got they've got uh, ratio issues to deal with, and I don't think that there is a serious or maybe substantial uh, strategic move here. I don't know how much we're going to be seeing the 10-year the left tackle veteran Joel Viroa actually play fullback. Uh, uh, I, 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 I tend to doubt it, RJ, but I, I guarantee you're going to have a great call if he does line up back there. <laughs> It'll be fun to, fun to listen mind. to the way... Fun to listen to how you calling about number 61 lined up in a three-point stance in the backfield, but the... Uh, uh, we'll see. Um, I, I, I tend to doubt it. I think we're going to see a lot of rotation uh, between those offensive linemen. All right. And just finally, Luke, uh, what were you doing a year ago? One year ago, <laughs> game 13. Uh, I believe was one of the most exciting games of the season against Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it something? Game 13 again. Amazing. Starting the final third of the year, it's Winnipeg in Hamilton. And that kind of was the springboard for the Tiger Cats in that 5-1 and one final six-game stretch where they got themselves into the postseason. Can they do it again against Winnipeg? Uh, absolutely, they, they can. Um, you've got to be able to ebb and flow a little bit with Winnipeg. I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna come out there and hold them to three points in the first half like you were able to do uh, against Ottawa. Uh, so you're gonna have to put points up, and that defense uh, is gonna have to uh, make a few plays. If you can win the turnover ratio against against Winnipeg and capitalize uh, on offense, um, uh, there, there's no reason they can't do the, uh, a second year in a row have a have a home field uh, upset against Winnipeg. All right, we'll have you all set on the Ticats Audio Network before the game. That's Saturday morning. Be sure to listen to Ticats Game Day with Courtney Stephen and Mike Daly. Bob O'Neill and Andy Fantuz will have the pregame show at 3 o'clock. Luke and I will have the call at 4 o'clock. Hope to see you at Tim Hortons Field. If you can't be there, by all means, listen to the Ticats Audio Network. Listen.ticats.ca. Luke, I can't wait for this game, and maybe again, it's a chance for the Tiger Cats to start this final third, get off to a, a good start. The one other thing here, Luke, that we should address, and we'll see what happens tonight. So we're doing this show on Friday. Montreal plays Toronto. If Toronto wins that game and the Tiger Cats can beat Winnipeg, all of a sudden it's a tie for second place. I know Montreal has the, the tiebreaker, but then next week on Tiger Cats this week, we're going to be talking about a home playoff game, the potential of it. Wouldn't that be something? Unbelievable. And at least, like always, 
uh, the the battle at the end of the season starts to become what things are in your control and what things are out of your control. So if that scenario plays out, the Ticats have it all uh, in in control, you know, to 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 uh, to make it a home field uh, playoff. So we'll see how see how things shake down. All right, Luke. We'll see you Saturday. See you, RJ. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to Ticats this week. Ticats play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers four o'clock at Tim Hortons Field on Saturday. It's been another busy week for your Hamilton Tiger Cats. Luke Tasker and RJ Broadhead have covered it all, and now we would like to hear from you. Email us anytime at gameday at Subscribe to the Ticats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.